Father, we do thank you for this day, this uh, Lord's Day. Um, we thank you for um, the blessing of being uh, called into your presence this morning, Father, um, as you um, invite us to come near um, so that you may again renew your covenant with us um, that you've established in your Son. Um, Father, we thank you for um, the space and time this morning to also spend time together before worship to um, discuss um, issues in our life and our world and we pray you grant us wisdom as we talk about pornography this morning and and what it looks like to embrace um, repentance and holiness in this area and we pray for your blessing upon us we ask it in Christ's name amen um, well it's good to be with you all this morning again um, just to orient you um, we are uh, coming to the end of our class on human sexuality um, I'm anticipating that next week will be the last week in um, our series, um, and then we'll start a new um, topic together. Um, last week we began um, a discussion about um, pornography um, and looking really closely at the sin of pornography um, in various ways, the way in which it's a sin, um, because it's a violation of the seventh commandment, um, the ways in which it's a sin against, um, in some sense, our own selves. It's a, it's a corruption of ourselves. Um, uh, in terms of the way that the Lord has made us for intimacy and for holiness. Um, it's also a sin against our spouse um, if we're married um, and our children as well if the Lord has given us children. Um, we talked about also the way in which to use and consume pornography is to participate in a, a system of um, abuse and um, uh, degradation and humiliation of human beings. Um, that we become liable for, um, in some sense, if we, if we ourselves consume um, pornography. And so, we kind of talked about all those things, um, and today I want to talk more about repentance and what it looks like to move forward in this issue. Um, but I'll just say, just by way of introduction, I, um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this topic is because I want to normalize it a little bit in the church. Um, I don't want pornography to be something that's a taboo topic to discuss or talk about in appropriate ways. I think that um, a lot of the power of pornography is related to the way in which it's often hidden and secret. Um, and I, my desire is for us to be a church where we can talk about sexual sin in appropriate ways because I think that's a big part of what it means to, um, to repent and to be healed of these things is to, is to talk about them. Um, so before I launch into new material today, any thoughts or questions or things that were provoked by last week that you guys want to bring up um, before we move forward? Anything at all? Okay. Well, let's, let's think a little bit about repentance. Um, so on the back of the handout, I talk about what is the, what is the path of repentance for us um, as a church, as individuals, um, even as a culture um, for um, the sin of pornography. Um, so um, I, I say here, the corporate repentance for the church is to clearly speak against the evil. I say prostitution. I think I meant to write pornography there. The evil of pornography and not to tolerate in our midst um, in any form. Um, and, and this is, I say, not limited only to viewing explicit pornography, but um, what kinds of movies or TV or, or shows or music videos do we watch? What kind of music do we listen to? 
What kind of books do we read? What kind of jokes do we make? Um, so a couple things to say there. One is um, I really do think this is an issue that the church should speak clearly about um, and consistently um, as we do in other moral issues in our day. Um, I, I would love for our church um, to be a place where pornography is just not something that is present, where it's not used um, um, by individuals um, in our church. Um, it starts there, certainly, um, any kind of repentance, any kind of holiness that we long to see in the culture at large has to begin with the house of God. And, and I do think that um, if, if there is widespread repentance of this sin, even within the church, that that will have a, a deeply leavening effect on the culture around us. And in many ways, this is what we're called to be, to be a people holy for the Lord, set apart, and the Lord uses that in, in uh, mysterious ways, I think, to, to impact and change um, the world around us. And so in some ways, that's where repentance has to begin, as it begins with us, um, not only speaking about the, the sin of pornography clearly, but also embracing holiness in relationship to it. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more what that means on an individual level. Um, but I do think it also has to do with the kind of uh, culture around um, sexuality and sexual intimacy that we um, create. Um, I, I talked about last week one of the, the real destructive four realities of pornography and its use in our culture is the way that it um, can desensitize us to, um, to sex and to um, sexual intimacy, and it can, it can make it um, things which are meant to be holy and sacred and, and set apart and, and hidden um, get just sort of treated like they're commonplace. Um, and you see that in all sorts of ways, um, not only in you know, explicitly uh, pornographic websites or material that's available online, but um, you, you think about the, the culture at large and um, the kinds of entertainers um, that are uh, put forward and are popular in our culture, um, the ways in which it seems, it seems very difficult to me um, I'm not a close observer of pop culture in our, in our day, but it seems difficult for me to be particularly a female um, pop figure, you know, and not be sexual in some, in some way, even if it's not explicit. Um, it seems like that's just the way it is um, these days. And that's, that's connected um, to the larger things that are happening in our culture, and, and it shouldn't have to be that way. Um, and so I do, th I do think that a lot of this we should examine and think carefully about um, what, do we, what do we tolerate in terms of just films? Um, what, do we, what do we tolerate in terms of TV shows, um, um, other forms of entertainment and media, uh, music? Um, you know, uh, these days is um, so sexualized. Um, and, and I just think that's something we need to think deeply about, right? I would say my own tolerance, and I know that, um, you know, certainly within the Reformed world, we have a kind of, um, we believe firmly in the, the wis or the, the necessity of Christian freedom, right? Um, that's something that we take seriously, and we don't want to be fundamentalists, quote-unquote. We don't want to just, you know, we can watch R-rated movies if we want to or whatever. Um, and, and I think that's true, um, you know, in a sort of general sense that there is such a thing as Christian freedom and there, there are dangers around legalism and around putting hedges around God's law. Um, but I do wonder sometimes if um, the Christian freedom that we embrace in the Reformed Church doesn't give us license to be unwise at times with the way that we exercise that freedom. 
And I would just, I would say my own tolerance for, um, you know, just kind of sexual material um, in movies, um, TV shows, that kind of thing, it's really declined as I've gotten older. I think I was much more liable to sort of just say, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, I can I can handle watching something that, you know, is is sexual in some way. It's not, you know, it's not explicitly pornography, but it's um, something that is, um, that, you know, it is sexual, um, and and I, I just would would say that just as your pastor, just something really to think about carefully is what are you able to tolerate? Um, what is wise for you to participate in, and what is what is wise in terms of just that whole like if we participate in a culture um, that makes movies that really push the boundaries sexually, um, you know, we're 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 propping that up. We're helping that. Um, you know, make money and, and sell tickets and um, get streams um, on Netflix or wherever wherever the income's coming from at this point. And um, I just don't know that that's the world that we really want to live in, you know, um, where, or, where that kind of material is just normalized um, for people. And yeah, maybe that means that we miss out on, you know, some movies that are funny. Um, but, you know, I think there are more important things um, than that. Um, so that's just something to think about, and again, I'm not trying to lay down laws here and say you, you should, you, if you watch an R-rated movie, it's a sin, um, but I am saying, I think, I think generally we could, we could all stand to be probably a little more sensitive, um, just given the reality that we live in a culture that desensitizes us, right? It desensitizes us um, in all sorts of ways, but in this particular way around sexuality, I think that's certainly true. Um, it'll, it, it, it makes things seem normal that maybe shouldn't be uh, normal. Does that make sense? Um, and, and this, you know, also impacts the way that we talk about um, sex, the way we talk about women when there's a group of men, um, all of those things. Those are places where we need to be, um, we just need to, we, this is a pl- these are places where we can push back, I guess is what I'm saying. Any thoughts about that idea? Comments, questions, pushback. Yeah, Sam. It makes a difference. I appreciate that. That's a good word, Sam. Anyone else? Um, and, and part of this is just taking seriously the words of the Apostle Paul, right, where he talks about um, the kind of language that we use and not having any kind of lewd or um, coarse thing even spoken. Um, um, in our presence, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about things like pornography in appropriate ways, but what he's talking about there is the kind of, right, culture flows um, downstream and we get shaped by it. We get shaped by the things that we participate in and consume um, in all sorts of ways. Yeah, Eric. 
Yeah. And and part of that I think is because pornographic material in Europe, at least in my experience, is much more out in the open, right? It's if you know if you think grocery stores here are bad, um, grocery stores in Britain have full on nudity, right? Um, and um, you know, like I remember when I was a teenager going into a men's bathroom in there. Um, in front of the urinal was a very explicit photograph, um, just in you know, just in a restaurant, um, and it it is it is, and so maybe that's part of it is that there's been a increase. But, but you're right, we certainly as Americans, uh, that's a whole other topic. But we certainly could talk about the amount of uh, violence um, that we um, that we consume, basically, and are and are entertained by to some degree. Um, in our media, it is, it, it is, it is pretty shocking, <laughs> if you, if you think about it. Um, and you know, I think there are appropriate depictions in, in film or movies or TV shows of violence, um, but certainly um, we have gone beyond um, the that that whatever that line is. Um, generally speaking, I think that's true, Eric. and that and that impacts us in other ways as well terms of how we think about the image of God and people, how we think about violence um, generally. Anything else? All right, well, let me, let me talk a little bit about um, another element. So I think just, I would say, just generally speaking, as we think about, um, I mean, something we all have to wrestle with, right, um, is what it means to be a Christian and have some form of political theology that informs what we think that the state should do, should be doing, and how we exercise whatever influence we might have to encourage it to that end. Um, so all of us have, a, in a sense, a political theology, even if it's not one that's you know well articulated. Or you know, we're, all, we're all operating under some assumption, assumptions about how the Bible ought to relate to the civil government. Um, even if that is just, well, it doesn't have any relationship to it. Um, so I would just say my general principle and, and, and um, approach to politics is that I believe that um, the nations of the world um, ought to reflect, including our nation, the United States, ought to reflect the law of God and its civil um, laws and policies as much as possible. Um, I... Now, now that requires wise application, certainly, um, as we think about the law of God and particularly some of the, um, um, you know, the, the capital punishment sentences that were there present in the Old Testament and how does that relate to our modern culture. And, um, the differences between Israel as a, you know, a, a fairly small nation and something as large as the United States, that kind of thing. Um, but just generally speaking, that's what I think. I think that the law of God should inform um, the laws of the lands, the nations, the magistrates um, in our world, um, in all nations. But certainly, um, I think that about the United States. And I think that's something for you really to think about. Um, 
is, you know, we don't have time to get into this today, but just what is your political theology? What, what do you think, um, you know, what should be the, the foundation of um, the kind of laws and policies of our nation? Um, because your whatever ideas you have about that are coming from somewhere, and I would I would suggest that the scriptures um, give us a pretty coherent framework for um, for civil magistrates and how they should behave and what kind of laws they should enforce. Um, so, particularly on this issue, um, I would say that I believe, and I just want to say this unambiguously, that. Um, the production, I believe the production and the, the consumption of pornography and the distribution um, should be illegal in our nation. Um, I think that that would be good. Um, that would be a good thing um, for us. And, um, and I would love, I think corporate repentance for us as a nation is to move towards that and to, um, um, to, to make these, the, the, you know, the production, the distribution, the consumption of pornography illegal. Now, obviously, um, as I alluded to last week, it's interesting to me that we already do this without any debate in our, you know, everybody basically is in favor of this um, when it, children are involved, right? We, um, it's one of the most heinous crimes that exists in our culture um, is to produce or distribute or consume um, pornography involving children, um, minors. Um, and, and yes, you know, all to the good, as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's um, appropriate and in keeping with the law of God. Um, but as I mentioned last week, it, it, it's not clear to me why that, why that changes um, when a person becomes 18 or 19 or 20 or 21, um, et cetera. Are they not still being destroyed um, by... Um, what they're participating in? Um, are they still not being destroyed? The people who are consuming it um, still not being destroyed by it? Um, are marriages and families not being deeply impacted? Are um, those who um, distribute and profit off of um, pornographic material not destroying their own souls and also abusing other human beings? And I would say yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and yes, to be clear, Pornography involving children is far more heinous um, than pornography involving adults, just as we think about some sins being worse than others. Absolutely, that's true. Um, um, but I, I just, I don't, we talked about this some last week, I just don't believe we, we you know, this, there's this idea that, that once you're an adult, you can, you can consent to it, um, and therefore it's licit, it's fine. And I just really question that argument, I guess. Um, that there are some things that people shouldn't be able to give consent for, um, and I think pornography is one of them. Um, so I would just, I would just, my perspective as a pastor and as, as a American citizen is that um, that I would love to see the church rally around this as a political issue, um, not merely a kind of individual, private, moral thing, but as a corporate, um, cultural, political. Um, issue, moral issue. Um, I would love to see um, pornography become illegal in all forms um, in our nation. In the same way that I think the church is, you know, I mean, we could talk about some of the inconsistencies, but generally speaking, um, um, conservative Bible-believing Christians have rallied around um, abortion being made illegal. Um, and um, I think certainly all conservative 
you know, Bible-believing Christians more or less believe that prostitution should be illegal, as it is in most places in the United States. Um, and, I, and I think pornography should be something that should be added to that list. When you think about the law of God, when you think about the, the harm that it does um, to individuals that are involved with it um, in any way. Um, so that's just something I would, I would submit to us and put before us to think about, to consider. I know that, you know, it's hard to even imagine a politician today standing up and really saying that um, out loud in a way that, you know. Um, it is interesting, though. Um, I think increasingly in our broader culture, there is um, a kind of pendulum swing back against kind of the free distribution and consumption of pornography. People are beginning to see that it harms not only um, individuals, but society itself is being um, warped and transformed in, in really negative ways. Um, the state of Utah, um, which, you know, you can guess what religious group is behind that um, movement, um, several years ago declared pornography to be a public health crisis. Um, and, and I'm not sure that's exactly the, I mean, I guess that works as a kind of language to talk about it. Um, so, you know, may, maybe there are, um, you know, the, the seeds of, of a, a recalculation brewing in our culture um, around this issue. And um, I would love for that to happen. I would love for that to be considered. Any, any thoughts about that? Yeah, Kathina? Absolutely. There's, right, we're setting the, the um, it's inconsistent in some ways, or that we're saying, oh, this, this is all fine, but no, this is really, really heinous and terrible. Um, and yeah, that, there's no, that, the center can't hold on, <laughs> on that. Um, and uh, yeah, and already in academic circles, there's discussions of, well, maybe there are people that are just born this way, that have a particular inclination towards um, sexualizing children and and, um, you know, and that's obviously, yeah, there's, that's a, that's a, not a good place to go um, for our culture. Sex workers, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kim. To make the connection. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So Kim's making the connection between when Hugh Hefner died. Um, it was during the all the scandal around Harvey Weinstein, um, and yeah, that just seeing those things are related to one another, right? Hugh Hefner 
sets the context for um, Harvey Weinstein. And um, yeah, and, and basically they're, they're both abusing, using power to take advantage of women and um, abuse people who are made in God's image. Yeah, absolutely. I see a hand over here. Anybody? Okay. Any other thoughts or comments on this question? Yeah. I know of. Yeah, as I was doing some kind of research and thinking about this the past couple of weeks, um, yeah, there are movements um, that are basically saying we need to treat pro pornography like prostitution in our culture from a legal standpoint. And um, this, the same kind of logic that we would use to say that, that prostitution um, is bad for society, that it destroys the people that are involved in it, that it leads to all the other kinds of crime, um, that it, you know, all the things that, all the reasons why we want pornography to be illegal apply also, I'm sorry, the prostitution apply also to pornography. And so, yeah, I think there is, I mean, not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not seeing any necessarily political figures explicitly arguing for this. And you all may know of some, um, but, but certainly there are advocacy groups that are beginning to spring up that are saying we should really take seriously um, not only the morality of pornography, but, but whether it should be legal at all. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I would say yes, there are some. And, and it's interestingly, they're not all Christian groups. Like, you know, some of these people who are really questioning this are, you know, quote unquote feminists, right? People that are concerned about um, the way that um, these things impact women specifically, and you can understand why that would be. Um, so, anyway, which is interesting to me. Yes. We really don't have a clue of that position. And, you know, I would just throw out again a writer that you've uh, gone through, even with the Sunday school class. Abraham Kuyper is a great one on this. He's back to such political issues, yeah. And his, his um, showing how um, the institutional church and the institution of government, yes, are separated and have different spheres, but this doesn't mean we don't found our laws on morality that God has given to all men. Yes. And that common grace applies to all. Yes. Um, and so there is there is very much warrant in scripture for laws that, that conform to God's moral law. Right. So I mean it's yep. it's a tragedy and it's it's land. I agree. I agree. So Lauren's making the point about the connection with Kuiper and that the resources exist within our tradition um, to talk about the way in which God's moral law um, and should inform all human beings. And that's right, our confession teaches that God's moral law is binding on everyone, everywhere, at all times. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. And, and I think, and I agree, Lauren, I, I personally don't think historically that um, in terms of the development of our nation that the separation of church and state as it's thrown around today is in keeping with um, how the Constitution was actually designed to operate. Um, and I would say the question is like, we're going to some philosophy, some assumption about what is right and wrong and what is important and who human beings are is going to inform the laws of any nation. And you see that in every nation, right? There's some philosophy behind it. And as Christians, why would we not want that philosophy to be the scriptures and the tradition and teaching of the church? Um, because we think that's where truth is found, right? <laughs> why, would, why would we want anything else? Um, Kim, did you have a... I was just going to say, 
Interesting. Yeah, okay. That's cool. Wahoo wah. That's great. Um, let's, let's talk um, a little bit about sort of personal individual repentance because that's a part of this too. So um, I think it's, I mean, I made the point, um, I've made the point multiple times throughout um, this class that all of us are sexual sinners. And I would imagine that many of us, most of us perhaps, um, have been impacted by the sin of pornography in some way, either by um, consuming it ourselves or by being sinned against by someone, um, by a spouse who's consumed it, um, or someone, you know, a parent, um, a father, a mother. Um, you know, all of us are, we feel the weight of this, right, in different ways in our lives. And I, I would imagine that none of us are um, completely immune from that. Um, so particularly for those um, who are involved in watching pornography, um, that that's a, that's a sin in your life. Just want to say a few things. Personal repentance for this sin uh, means understanding our sin, uh, grieving it, hating it, confessing it, walking in holiness. And I'm using language there out of um, uh, our confessional standards. Um, Westminster Shorter, question 87, asks, what is repentance unto life? And they say, repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Um, and then going on into chapter 15 of the confession on repentance, um, the writers say, as there is no sin so small, but it deserves damnation, so there is no sin so great that it can bring damnation upon those who truly repent. And then the next, very next paragraph, men ought not to consent themselves with a general repentance, but it is every man's duty to endeavor to repent of his particular sins particularly. Um, so just to kind of bring all that together, um, I think repentance from the sin of pornography begins um, as the confession states here, or as this, the catechism states here, it, we have to have a true sense of our sin to some extent to really turn from it. We have to understand it um, um, the way that God views it. And we can't do this perfectly, of course, but we have to at least move in that direction. And that's part of what I'm trying to do as we talk about this is really let's just think honestly about all the ramifications of what it means to use pornography. Um, it, it's not just that you, you know, did this sort of like... Um, sexually immoral thing, but it actually impacts all sorts of people. Um, and, and that's something I think we really, I really want us to wrestle with and think about, because I think it's really key to repentance, is to have a true sense of our sin, as um, the catechism states here. Um, but uh, along with that, uh, and, 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 and that true apprehension involves sorrow, it involves um, uh, really looking at our sin honestly and the people that it harms. Um, um, it, it's not the same thing as shame exactly, right? Um, I mean, shame can be a, a good part of what it means to sense our sin. I think there's such a thing as good shame um, and, and guilt for that matter. Um, but it really is just, it's, it's understanding, um, at least beginning to see clearly the, the sinfulness of your behavior 
That's where repentance begins. But it also has to do with, um, as the catechism states here, an apprehension of the mercy of God. Um, so it's not simply that viewing our sin accurately is gonna lead us to repentance. We also need to see clearly that the gospel, um, God's mercy, God's grace um, is for us. And it's for us in this place, in this sin. Um, as the confession states, there is no sin so great that it brings damnation upon those who truly repent. So, you know, repentance is for anyone. I, I read an article recently about it's a whole other rabbit trail, but I'll just say it quickly. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, you know, who was a terrible person, um, um, before he was executed, uh, apparently had a conversion experience, um, and um, pastors ministered to him in prison, and he became a Christian. Um, now, I don't know, obviously, if that's actually true, um, but that's that's, you know, um, this this pastor was writing about this and just trying to help people like, you know, imagine if in the resurrection, J Jeffrey Dahmer's there, you know, he he raped people and, and murdered them and ate them, right? I mean, a bad dude, um, you know? Um, but there's no sin so great that it brings damnation upon those who truly repent. And I, I don't know, I don't know the, you know, really think about the story with any first-hand knowledge, but if Jeffrey Dahmer repented of his sins, he was forgiven and will be with the Lord. Um, and thanks be to God, you know? Um, if That would be wonderful if that's the case. And I really just, I just say that to say, it doesn't matter how heinous that you think your sin is or how heinous your sin actually is in terms of um, what you've done, how many years you may have used pornography secretly, um, what your story is, what you carry, um, the Lord, the gospel, if the gospel doesn't apply to situations of um, our, our most um, shameful sexual sin, then what is the gospel for, right? I mean, that's what the gospel's for. It's for those places in our lives, um, the, the places that feel the most um, shame and, 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 you know, just... Um, guilt and burdened, all of those things. And I just want, I just want to say very clearly that if you're going to repent of the sin of pornography, you also, you not only need to see your, sin, see your sin clearly, you need to apprehend clearly the mercy of God and Jesus Christ for you. Um, and that's a huge part of this discussion. Um, we really need to bring that to bear um, as well. Um, and, and I think, and I say here, it would be almost impossible for us to do these things without asking explicitly for help, um, confessing our sin to others, and uh, changing patterns in our lifestyle and our relationship to technology, as well as positively embracing the means of grace. And, and that's what I want to lay out here for us. Like if we're going to, if, if an individual is going to repent of this sin, um, this is very unlikely to be something that you just because of the way pornography works, the way that it's so ubiquitous, the way that it impacts all different parts of who we are, the way that it impacts relationships that we're in with others. Um, it's very, I think, unlikely that you're gonna do this on your own. Um, you're really gonna turn from the sin and, and be um, free of it. Uh, that's possible, I suppose, um, but I don't recommend that as a path. Um, I think this is what the church is for, um, is to, um, to claim sinners and to lead them to repentance. And this is, this is what the community um, of the people of God is for. And um, I would certainly be 
love for people to come talk to me if this is something that you need to think about and talk about. Um, that's a conversation I've had many times um, with folks over the years. Um, and, and I'll just say it's a much, I've had conversations like that both in terms of people that are coming to me because they want to repent and people because they have wrecked their lives because of their lack of repentance, right? And the conversation with the person who's coming um, before their lives are wrecked, wanting to repent and turn, like that's, that's a much um, better, um, blessed conversation. Um, doesn't mean repentance can't come after you wreck your life, because it can't. Um, but, but, you know, but today, today is the day of repentance, as the psalm tells us. Um, um, and I think that's something for us really to think about and wrestle with. But, you know, so you can talk to me, talk to Jeff. I know he'd be happy to talk to you about these things, the elders of our church. Um, but certainly um, other individuals as well. Um, you know, if, you're a, if you have a father that you trust, that could be a place to go. Um, whatever, whatever it is, the, I think just talking with someone about this, confessing your sin, um, really help, having someone else from the outside help you think through. Um, I mean, there's all, we all have stories, I guess I'll just say, right? We all have stories, we all have histories, um, sexually and otherwise, and it's, in my experience, very rare um, for a person to be entrapped in sexual sin without having some kind of story that's a part of that um, experience for them. And I think it's, it's so important to, um, as you look for repentance and holiness, to, to have someone walk with you and, and really think about those things. Um, you know, in this particular case, why is pornography this web that I'm caught in in the way that it is? Why is it attracted to me in the way that it is? Um, and really asking those questions is a part of the process of repentance and healing. And I, I know that, you know, one of the places um, that pornography can really um, impact people is in your marriage, and so I get that too. And I would just say, you know, if you're a spouse in this situation, um, I don't think that you need to just sort of, where your, your, your spouse is, is engaged in pornographic activity in some way, um, I don't think you just need to sit silently and hope that gets better one day. I think that's something you can talk about um, with your pastor, um, with people um, who are in, engaged in spiritual care um, for you. Um, so I, I, would just, I would just say that. I know that can be a complicated thing to do, um, but I, I also think that pornography is, has the capacity to destroy marriages in such a way that it's just better to ask for help. Um, and if the spouse who's not engaged in the sin isn't willing to ask for help uh, or to make, you know, to embrace repentance, um, then it is, not, it is not an act of betrayal um, for the injured spouse in that scenario to ask for help um, for the two of them. Um, but I just want to say that clearly. In the, in the same way that, you know, if your spouse is having an affair, right, and they're not going to give up the affair, um, people, you wouldn't have trouble coming to me, right, and saying, hey, Here's the deal. Um, so just something to think about as we think about these things. Um, and, and I also want to say um, it may involve substantially changing patterns in our lifestyle in terms of technology and those kinds of things. And that's something we don't need to talk about at length today. But, but certainly, um, you know, Jesus says if, it, if your eye causes you to sin, better to pluck it out. 
um, and to go to heaven with one eye than go to hell with two eyes. Um, in a similar manner, um, you know, if your smartphone is causing you to sin, um, there are other options, like not having a smartphone is actually a way that people live, or used to live anyway. Um, and, you know, if your internet connection is causing you to sin, you know, you don't have to have internet. I mean, I'm just saying, like, there are things that, um, there are changes that can be made um, to, to help repentance. And I know they may seem um, um, invasive, or, yeah, invasive, but, um, yeah, but that's okay. That's, that's the way that Jesus talks about repentance. Um, and I, that's something to think about. And I also say repentance always, whether it's pornography or something else in our lives, involves not only turning away from that sin, but a positive embrace of the good, right? Um, so if you're married, part of turning away from pornography is embracing, um, moving towards healing and sexual intimacy with your spouse. Um, if you're not unmarried, it, it, it involves moving towards um, kind of holiness of life sexually generally and and turning your desires towards the Lord in new ways. Um, and, and all of this involves the church. All of this involves the means of grace, um, um, word, sacrament, and prayer. Um, I, don't, I don't think holiness is possible, or obviously it's not possible, without availing yourselves of those things, right? Holiness is not just the absence of sinful activity in our lives. It's embracing the good. It's embracing life. And these are the places where the Lord gives us life. All right, any questions or thoughts about that before we wrap up this morning? Anything at all? Yeah, Eric? Oh, absolutely. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Pornography use for um, individuals, singles who are not yet married, um, has all sorts of implications for both their present and potential future lives. Um, absolutely. And that, that also is a, is a reason to repent of it. Absolutely. Alyssa, did you have your hand up? That's a great clarification. Yes. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Right. right. Just, yeah. I, I don't mean for this to sound accusatory at all. I, I just truly don't. It's just the way that you were listing these things. Like, well, yes, let's talk to me. Let's talk to Jeff. Let's talk to our elders. And there's a whole body of women in this church. Sure. That might be like, that's not helpful for me because I'm not comfortable talking to men. But we truly have women. And you're not at all saying that women need to get Yes, I am not. I am not saying that, Alyssa. Um, 
I, I do imagine in that scenario that you're describing, eventually Pastor Josh is going to get looped into the conversation at some point. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the scenario you're describing makes a lot of sense. Um, Amy, Kendall, Rachel, others, um, wise and godly women in our church would be certainly be appropriate places to talk about these things. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Not offended. Your roommate or your friend, right, yeah. We should be able to talk right. to each other. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I was certainly not trying to exclude the body of Christ. Um, yes, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. No, that's that's good. I'm fine with those qualifications. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, there are there are resources for sure, and and certainly we could talk about those. Or, uh, yeah, that's I totally that's right, Eric. That um, there are. By the end of the day, this is about your heart, right? I mean, it's impossible in our culture to totally cut off access to pornographic material if you want to find it. It's just it's impossible, um, and so that that really does. But yes, some of those things can be really helpful in terms of covenant eyes or other filtering software. Absolutely, totally agree with that. One last comment from Lauren. Well, and we'll I wrap think up. It's worth saying that um, just because it's not labeled pornography doesn't mean you're not sure. committing sin. Sure. Sure. Right. And that doesn't have to be pornography. Yeah. That you can do it. Does, doesn't have to be explicit, X-rated. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. All right, let's, uh, let's stand and pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're thankful for the gospel. We're thankful for the forgiveness and healing um, that is found um, for even the sin of pornography. We grant, pray you would grant us wisdom um, to think about these things carefully and to um, pursue holiness, uh, Lord, um, in repentance. And um, we're thankful for the grace and mercy you offer us in Christ. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.